You're listening to The Investment Interlude, a podcast that talks about money, finances, the stock market, and the economy as a whole. I'm Thomas Patterson, a finance and economics student at the University of Wollongong, and I'm here to keep you up to date on the economy and new tips that I've found on my journey to newfound wealth. Well, you're back. It's good to see uh, the viewers that are back. Um, I'm really happy for the support and I really appreciate it getting kicked off. I do apologize if the editing in this and my speech and everything, I'm still tripping over myself. I do apologize. I am very new to this whole uh, podcasting thing. So getting started with investing, uh, it's a big important step. Um, Obviously the first step is the most important generally. So I will be going through today about talking about how to get started and some options. So how do you get started? Well, first off, I'm going to be talking about investing only. Um, I will not be talking about trading. Trading is a whole different little thing on its own. Um, That is short term, it's portfolios, it's risky, it's um, just just a whole different little can of worms. Um, You've got to be looking at for chart patterns, it's speculation, it's, it's, it's incredibly uh, a different beast, <laughs> if you will. Um, so look, I'll start with a small disclaimer um, that I will mention. Uh, all advice that I do give to you in this podcast is completely general in nature. I am not a financial advisor. I am a purely a finance student and an economic student. Um, should you decide to act Uh, on any of this information, you definitely should consider seeking independent legal, financial or taxation advice uh, or other advice to check how uh, this relates to your unique circumstances. I'm not liable for any losses caused, whether due to negligence or otherwise arising from the use of or reliance on this information uh, by use of the podcast. That is my very casual disclaimer. Um, But yeah. Um, So, how to get started? Well, first off, you're probably going to need some money. Um, Whether you're working a job, uh, you're on the 9 to 5, you're at uni like me, um, you will need a job. Uh, You need some way to fund the company. The company? Sure. Uh, You need some way to fund the company that is going to be after you uh, start investing. Uh, You never know. You could go full entrepreneur after... Um, you get some capital. Um, I will probably use some uh, fairly legal uh, and financial words in this. Uh, I do apologize. Feel free to Google any of them. Uh, I won't necessarily stop and explain many of them during this, Um, but I'm hoping that they're sort of common knowledge enough that everyone can follow on. So you'll need a broker. Um, Simple as that. You'll need some way to interact on the market. So the market that I'm assuming you're interacting on is the ASX, the Australian Securities Exchange. Um, that is valued of the top 200 companies, if you really wanted to know what the index is of that. So the top 200 performing companies in Australia prices the ASX, uh, essentially. It's, it's a very basic way of how it works. Um, so you'll need a broker. Um, there are many different places that you can find said broker. Uh, there are some independent ones and there are some bank backed ones. Uh, I personally recommend if you're going to go, uh, and start bank backed, and then you can sort of move around from there. Moving, moving brokers isn't very hard. Uh, there's just a small little form that you need to fill out. 
uh, and it's quite easy uh, to transfer shares and things from one holding to another. Uh, so I am personally, I started with Comsec. I feel like it's just sort of the easiest. They've got really good uh, information on different shares, uh, different earnings reports, different legal reports, things that they publish to the stock exchange that they have to report. Uh, you may find yourself when you do start doing a bit of reading uh, actually on specific companies that you like. Um, so brokers can range if you're specifically with one of the big four, that's easy for you because they all have different uh, brokerages. So obviously Combank has Comsec, uh, Westpac has uh, their thing going on, I think it's Westrade or something. Uh, NAB has NABtrade and ANZ has the, AS, uh, the ANZ share buy or something along those lines, I believe it's called. Uh, but long story short, they've all got their own little brokerage. Funding the account, we've obviously already spoken about, you need to just have some money. Um, further on to funding the account, the smallest marketable size that ASIC requires that all brokerages must have is minimum of $500. $500 is actually in broad terms quite minuscule in investing. Um, you'll find yourself blowing through quite a bit, um, quite quickly if you invest, if you were to be able to invest any less uh, because of brokerage fees. So with your broker, you will be paying probably a brokerage fee unless you find one of the very few in Australia that does have brokerage fee, uh, free fee trading. Uh, that's a mouthful and you can try saying that five times quick. Um, there are a few of them. Uh, many of them are more micro investing, things like uh, Spaceship uh, and Raise. I personally use Raise. I think it's right quite cool. I will probably do a video on many, uh, many of these later on. Um, and we'll, uh, I can discuss the pros and cons of that sort of thing later. But for the average person, they're probably going to be looking at a, a traditional brokerage. Uh, another one is CMC Markets. They're a UK-based company and IG Trading is another one too uh, that you may want to look at. Uh, Selfwealth has the cheapest brokerage fees in Australia, uh, being $9.95 per trade, uh, to my knowledge, as of recording, uh, whereas uh, I believe Westpac has the most expensive, being uh, $19.95 per trade, almost $20, huge difference. Um, and if you want to pay brokerage to be with a more secure firm, being obviously bank-backed, uh, it would make a lot of sense. Um, now, what is a share? A share is a part ownership in a company. It is a segment of ownership and you have voting rights to a company. Um, note that I am talking about common shares in this, preference shares and everything, they're alternative investments, they're a bit different, they have different legal obligations of a company and of a uh, investor, so we won't necessarily get into those today. I will be talking about just the ones that you can very simply go on and click yes, I want $500 worth of Qantas or West Farmers or, you know, whatever the company might be. Um, so a share, as I said, part ownership in a company, they are the most common form of equity that you can buy. Um, they are the bread and butter of the stock market, essentially. They're not the biggest market in the stock market, but they are basically the bread and butter of a capital market. Hopefully everyone's still following along. Um, they are very easy to buy through your brokerage, as I've said, um, and they will probably be what makes up most of your uh, investment portfolio. Your second investment option, you're looking at bonds. Uh, bonds are another form. 
uh, generally issued either by a corporation or by the treasury. Um, for, uh, for us in Australia, it's the obviously the Australian treasury. Um, they're offered at an interest rate. So many of these have a fixed return rate that they pay at. So um, there's different things. I won't necessarily be using like par value and things like that. There's some technical terms. I will be just saying it directly as it is. So let's say you buy... Um, most bonds, let's just say, are about $1,000 each. It's fairly normal for a treasury bond. Um, they will then, once you buy it, uh, the company, or in this case the treasury, is then required to pay you a fixed income uh, on the bond. There are uh, zero coupon bonds and things like that that don't pay, they just pay at maturity. Um, so you hold a bond for a certain amount of time from anywhere from three months to 30 years. Uh, and within that time, they will either pay you a coupon value, um, which is your return, or they may just pay you a simple interest that you'll get given uh, right at the end. Um, both uh, have their pros and cons. Um, many of them tend to lean more towards, I believe the market is actually bigger for coupon bonds, which makes a lot of sense because they pay better generally on average um, than zero coupon bonds. Um, that's probably besides the point. Uh, they pay you back your uh, initial value at the start that you put in. They'll pay that back at the end, at the conclusion of maturity of the bond. Uh, that's also known as your principal value. So, bonds, they have uh, a bit of a legal pecking order, if you will, if a company was to, for example, go broke. Uh, bonds are pretty much at the top because companies have a legal obligation to pay you back. It is a form of debt to the company and it's a form of an asset to you. If you were to be a company and you, for example, wrote bonds, you're obviously uh, then putting yourself into debt because investors who buy the bonds are funding the company and you're expected to pay them back plus interest that's where your coupon comes from uh so that's basically a rundown it's it's a very sort of uh it's sort of like a specialized loan if you will but you're the one who's lending the money um so it is really cool i personally really like them they are a very 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 safe uh investment providing you get them from the treasury um, you can get them from companies and corporations. They do issue bonds. Uh, however, these do range in um, security, safety, and things like that. I recommend that people do go and look at different safety grades and things like that, investment grades. Um, obviously, they range from, uh, if people have probably heard it on the news before, they range from AAA being complete investment government bond grade. Uh, generally, I should say. They just call it government bond grades. The government bonds can even be less than AAA sometimes uh, if you're particularly like America or something like that at the moment with the uh, presidential uh, election and the inauguration going on. Uh, they can actually be devalued to like a double A plus. So they range anywhere, I believe it's from a B all the way up to triple A. Uh, and then they've got the pluses and the minuses and then the double A's, the triple A's, the double B's, that sort of thing. Um, it's, yeah, sort of like that. Um, bank accounts and savings accounts are another form. Believe it or not, they are actually a form of investment. You saving your money is technically, at its core, in a savings account, I should say, not necessarily a transaction account, is at its most basic form investing. Um, it's really cool because you do actually earn a return on your savings accounts via 
the way of uh, interest, interest payments that the bank will pay you. However, obviously, uh, with world economy and world situations being as they are with COVID, the economies are very slow. Uh, and when economies are very slow, uh, and here's a little basic economics lesson for you, um, when economies are generally slow, uh, monetary policy, which is policy enacted by the federal banks, reserve banks, whatever they might be to each country, each nation, they'll generally lower the interest rates. This is to try and increase uh, and encourage spending because obviously if you've got money sitting in your bank and it's not earning any interest, why would you not just go and spend it, right? Um, it's quite interesting. I will probably do a bit of economics talk later in a separate episode, but until then, uh, it's just know that the interest rates are very low, especially in Australia at the moment, being 0.1%. Um, so you're not probably going to make many return like much return out of uh this investment way um they are good they are very secure uh it's a very good way if you're perhaps a bit older and you're looking just to hang on to a bit of money and not necessarily risk a loss which i completely understand why uh because there is nearly no negative downside to this um you will generally only ever make money unless uh, something crazy happens, like a bank suddenly just goes bankrupt, which in Australia hasn't happened in a long, long time. Uh, the big four have never gone broke either, so there you go. Um, and it could possibly happen if the interest rates were to do a complete backflip uh, and we pulled a Europe and went negative rates, which could cost banks, which could cost you for the banks holding your money. Um, this is a form of quantitative easing. It's, an, again, another economics thing. Not necessarily important because I don't think Philip Lowe at the RBA in Sydney or uh, is necessarily going to uh, do any of that. You know, uh, there's the possibility, but it's uh, very low. I'll talk about number five. I know that I under, uh, that I did say that I was going to be only talking about investing, uh, but many people do sort of throw it around, especially on Instagram at the moment and things. This is a trading uh, type that you will see. It's actually technically a derivative. Um, now, derivative investments, as the name may entail, they are derived from traditional investments. Uh, derivatives range from, you might hear stock options, warrants, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and contracts for difference, or CFDs as they're called, is one of them. And if not, uh, some of the more popular ones, uh, at least in the mainstream at the moment. Uh, the derivatives market completely outshines the world's uh, stock markets the derivatives market is stupidly big um, if you ever want a lucrative job uh, and you are looking to go into finance uh, yeah derivatives uh, structuring of derivative markets it's it's ginormous it's um, a job that you will make tons of money off if you were to go do it as your nine to five or your nine to nine or nine to three a.m in the morning as some investment bankers are known to do um, but I will pull it back and just, uh, let, let, let's probably keep on track, hey? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so look, contracts for difference, they are a short term, generally, you can hold them for long term. Um, basically what they are is they piggyback their stock price uh, or their price off a stock. Uh, and they are in purest form, the, a way that you can get leverage. Uh, leverage is basically a loan, essentially, is the best way of describing it. Um, and it's a way to increase your exposure to a certain market. So um, the old 
Uh, ASIC had old leverage guidelines. They've updated them recently. I couldn't tell you what they are off, their, off my head, but they have changed. Let's say you wanted to buy, I don't know, uh, let's say I've got $100 in my account and I want to buy $10,000 worth of Bitcoin. Um, uh, shout out to Robbie. He knows the joke. Uh, he's probably got all his money sitting in bloody Bitcoin at this point. Um, what it basically does is it allows you to ante up a portion and the brokerage will cover the rest. So uh, the brokerage used to be 500 to 1. Oh, it used to be 1 to 500 or 500 to 1. Uh, so the bank or the uh, institution will offer up 500 parts and you'll offer up five, uh, one part. So you'll offer up uh, a very, very minuscule amount. In this situation, um, I actually need a calculator because I can't quick math that well. Uh, so if you say buy 10,000 and you've got to offer up, um, you'll offer up $20 for that if it's one to 500 in leverage. Um, the only downside to, or a massive downside, not the only downside, but a huge downside to contracts for difference is that uh, obviously with leverage, you expose yourself to a massive negative downside. Uh, and that being that you can actually end up losing more money than you actually initially invest. Uh, this is huge because if you suddenly open a position and you put in, you only have like 5,000 in your bank, um, you could end up losing more than that 5,000 initial investment. Uh, and that isn't a good thing at all. That's where some things called stop losses come into play and stop you losing silly amounts of money. Um, they will be probably covered in another episode. So, the final one that I will talk about, technically it's not a traditional investment, it's actually an alternative investment, but many people consider it mainstream enough now that it is an investment to make, uh, that being property. Uh, bet you weren't expecting that, hey? <laughs> uh, property can be um, summed up as a fixed return. Um, now, I think the best way to actually talk about property is to actually give you an example, right? So I'm saving for a house. I'm saving for a down payment. That's what I'm doing. Uh, I would love to buy an apartment in Piermont, Sydney, right? Uh, stupid amounts of money. It's probably like 1.6 million for an apartment there. That's probably like a two bedroom at, at best uh, for 1.6 mil. Um, anyone in Sydney wants to sell me a house for cheaper, please like, let me know. <laughs> um, right, so uh, let's theoretically say I have enough money for a down payment. Let's say it's uh, 10 to 20%, right? Uh, and I give up 20% for a down payment, uh, and then the bank gives me a mortgage. Um, from there, you're looking uh, at having to obviously pay back your money. Now, I bought this as an investment, not to live in, right? So I'm gonna rent it out. I will rent it out to a tenant um, who will pay me rent, obviously. Um, now, what does that mean? You're, you're getting a fixed income, which is the rent in this situation. Um, and this rent can be used either to reinvest or in my personal situation, I would probably say I would uh, actually use the rent to pay the mortgage off. This has a big benefit. Obviously, you're basically, you, you own a house slowly. You're owning more and more of it. Um, and you don't have to pay anything out of your own pocket because the tenant's paying for it. 
uh, there are downsides to this, obviously, you know, tenants damaging things, maintenance needing on the house, things like that. That's where an emergency fund is very important. And I highly recommend that you have that. Uh, if I can recommend anything, it is have enough money that you can live at, at bare minimum three months without needing a job. Like you don't work for three months unpaid completely. You need to have enough money there for three months worth of expenses. Um, or an emergency fund at very least. Um, that's where credit cards can be fairly handy and you know you can bridge pay and things like that. Again, different topic. We will talk about that in future. Um, another really smart way that um, is really cool to do a house uh, or a property uh, comes from Graham Stephan, I think is his name. I'm quickly Googling him. Um, his name is Graham Stefan. He's on YouTube. Um, highly recommend watching his videos. He is uh, a multimillionaire. By far, he is the most frugal mate I've ever heard of. He's stupidly frugal with his money. Uh, so much so that he wants to save $30 even by not get, by giving himself his own haircut. Like um, I personally couldn't do it, but he is ridiculously frugal. And I highly recommend you check him out because he's got some very good tips of his own. Um, he's American based. So obviously if you're looking Australian, take that with a grain of salt, but yeah. Uh, now his strategy that he did when he was a real estate agent, he actually bought a duplex. Now you're probably going, you're either one or two people you're going, ah, oh, or you're going, uh, okay. Um, now why this is cool. You can live in the duplex in one of them, because it's obviously a duplex is two different little flats. You can live in one of the duplexes and then you can rent the other one out. Uh, depending on where you are, you can obviously price the second one, the one that you rent out, to pay off the mortgage. Hey, so then you're literally living free. Unlike when, let's say, my lovely place in Piemont, that apartment in Piemont that I really want, um, you would still be paying rent because you've obviously still got to live somewhere unless you're living with your parents and they're nice enough not to let you pay board. Uh, but probably by the time that you're looking at that apartment in Piermont, you're probably around your mid to late 20s. And do you really want to be living with your parents? Like, you know, it's it's always an interesting chat with the girl down at the bar or the girlfriend, you know, um, <laughs> to say that you still live with your parents. Uh, not dissing it. Completely not dissing it. I'm just saying. Um, but my point stands is that you still need to live somewhere, uh, obviously. Um, and that's where it's really important uh, that you can live at this place rent free you're not paying anything uh you are literally just being the person who gets the money put into his account by rent and then it goes straight to the bank to pay off the mortgage like how easy is that you are living there free minus obviously your expenses which will be you know your food your petrol your bills your electricity all that great stuff um but that's how that could go um Obviously, I'm not overly experienced in investment. I just know that my old man used to do a lot. Of, he does a lot of investment stuff with property. Um, and that's his forte. He's actually building some duplexes. And that's where I got the idea for to talk about this. Uh, and Graham's idea just sort of all completely just, you know, clicked. So, yeah. Uh, and the final thing that I'll talk about uh, probably that is important is uh, maintaining. So... I've got a little note here that I said, you know, how to get started just to maintain. Uh, what does maintaining mean? I have tried investing many, many times. I've fully, I've finally gotten to that stage where I'm like, crap, you know, I've, I've got a pretty steady job. I've got a steady thing going on uh, in my life at the moment. 
you know, uh, and probably after uni, you know, you, you uh, generally get a job, you sling it for about in your 20s and then you sort of settle down in your mid to late 20s. Um, I don't want to be that guy who's like living off his, I don't want a sugar mama, you know, uh, or anything like that. Uh, I can already hear the laughs from everyone. Um, but the important thing is, is that you maintain an account, right? You, you've got to maintain uh, your investing. I think it's really important. I've fallen into the pitfall of, yeah, I'll save some money, throw it into an investment account, makes a little bit of money and some return off some uh, equity. And next thing you know, I go, cool, I withdraw that and then I spend it, right? Um, and it's a pitfall that many people fall into. I will talk about spending habits uh, in another episode. I think it's very important to actually discuss my personal uh, story on that uh, to see, you know, it might give some insight into how I've done it and how I've managed to maintain it this time. Uh, I've had to budget uh, and I've decided that I really want to save heavily and things like that. Um, but without obviously feeling left out and infringing on sort of my own entertainment, if you will. Um, so maintaining, I highly recommend a budget uh, and regular investments. Um, if you're looking for something that does do regular investments, uh, a good program that I'm actually using at the moment, uh, a good brokerage is called Raise, R-A-I-Z. Um, they do little roundups. So basically what they will do is, and this is not sponsored in any way, shape or form, I should mention. Um, say I pay $4.75 for a coffee, right? And then they will round it up to $5 and take the remaining money out and invest it. Um, it could almost be considered as like a secondary little superannuation. Um, however, obviously you can touch it whenever. Um, and it does pay dividends and that sort of thing. They invest in what they call ETFs, exchange traded funds, and that will be a whole separate podcast that I will do for it. But um, definitely something to look into. Uh, if you are looking at budgeting, uh, Money Brilliant is another fantastic app on your phone. You can hook it up to your bank accounts and it'll actually keep track of your net worth. I think it's very important. Very, very, very cool. Uh, and yeah, Any, anyway, so uh, I think that's pretty much it in terms of uh, the first episode. Hopefully you've gotten a very good insight into the podcast um, and how this will be done. Um, but whatever the case may be. Uh, I hope to see you in the next episode. Hopefully I haven't scared you off. Um, yeah. So thank you very much for uh, listening and spending your 26 uh, odd minutes uh, in listening to me ramble on about uh, how you can improve your net worth and life savings. Anyway, guys, I do, and ladies, I should say, I do very much hope to see you in the next episode where we will be talking more on alternative investments. Thank you very much.